Hello, welcome to the edited version of Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full version of this conversation, then you can go to cosmicshambles.com slash bookshambles and become one of our Patreon supporters, uh, which you can do for as little as $1 an episode. That's one US dollar, and obviously it will depend on which of our economies is declining more, uh, how much that actually works out in pounds, uh, euros, etc. Hello, producer Trent here. Welcome to another episode of Book Shambles. Joining Robin and Josie in the studio this week is author JB Morrison, who you might better know as Jim Bob from Carter's Unstoppable Sex Machine. But before we get to that chat, a little admin, as always. A reminder that Chris Lintot and Steve Pretty's Universe of Music shows are coming up very soon, the first of those is March 20 at King's Place and then again on April 3rd also at King's Place, a night of comedy and astronomy and music. Tickets for that are just 10 quid. Go to the King's Place website or the Cosmic Shambles website, the events section to get tickets for that. And if you missed the news on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever else you can follow us, in the past few days we have announced our annual traditional run of Christmas shows. Nine Lessons and Carols for Curious People, hosted by Robin, is back for four nights at King's Place in London, plus this year for the first time ever, a Sunday matinee performance of Nine Lessons as well, which is being specially curated for families and kids. And not only that, we are going on the road, as promised. Two nights of Nine Lessons and Carols, will be at the Lowry in Manchester. First time we've ever taken nine lessons out of London, so we look forward to seeing you up there. And, of course, Brian Cox and Robin Ince's Christmas Compendium of Reason is coming back to the Hammersmith Apollo as well. As always, proceeds from these gigs will be going to charity. There will be a huge lineup of guests at all these shows. We haven't announced any guests as yet, but uh, I can guarantee you they are going to be brilliant shows. So get your tickets now for those. CosmicShambles.com events pages has got all the details for that. The Hammersmith Apollo show has been on sale for a week already, so that is selling fast. So book now to avoid disappointment, as I believe they say. Thanks, as always, before we start, to our Patreon supporters. Extended episodes every week for Patreon supporters. And this week, uh, a little extra treat for Patreon supporters. You would have seen that in your inbox we had some free tickets to some of our upcoming events to give away, so that's the sort of thing that could be available to you if you become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash bookshambles. And enough of that. Now on to this week's episode with Robin, Josie and Jim Bob. Uh, welcome to Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. And Josie's going to be here shortly. She was delayed through no fault of her own. Um... And today we're joined by the acclaimed author, J.B. Morrison, uh, who are, I've also known, well, first knew as uh, Jim Bob from Crafty and Sobble Sex Machine, though, of course, before that, also Jamie Wednesday, and then became uh, an author. Uh, Storage Stories was your first, wasn't it? Storage Stories was my first novel, yeah. Yeah. Whenever that was, about nine years ago, I think. I, 
that we, we're doing that thing now. We're doing the old man's thing because yeah. I've, I've turned fifty now, as as well, and we're doing the old man's thing. I think it was seven years ago, but it might have been nine, but it could have been fifteen. Nine years it's, ago, nineteen seventy four, I think. It yeah, was. Hor- horrible, it was horrifying. Um, I want to start off. So you, let's talk about your new book, which is is uh, out at the end of March, and That's you're right. doing a gig uh, also at the Shepherd's Bush Empire. Yeah. Two days after that comes out. Um, so you've you've now written your or, or collated your uh, indie years memoir. Yeah, I would say I've written because <laughs> it's. I mean, it's volume two technically because mm. the first one came out in two thousand and four or something. So it's the it's part two. So. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a part three. That's the most worrying thing, I think, because it, cause it follows the it's the years between the breakup of of Carter and the Reformation and a subsequent second breakup of Carter. So it's those years, those whatever year, how many ever years that is, seven years, ten years. So you uh, is is I mean, in terms of where you are now. Are there still every now and again that idea that you might just go, oh, do you know what? Let's play Brixton Academy in a few months. Is that or do you feel that no, that that's it now? That's that, yeah. that's definitely. But because some people, I think they they have to feel it's all over. Yeah, it's definitely over. I can't move on. But you've it's not like you've relentlessly milked you know a revivalist path. No, you, we, you've every now and again gone. Do you know what? Let's do Manchester and Brixton and yeah, we did sort of two gigs a year with a couple of years off. For, uh, seven years, eight years, or something. So that was, yeah. It's it's, it's kind of it. It is sort of. Uh, I mean, I sort of touch on it in the book quite a bit. You know, towards the end about whether I would get back together and what hassle it is to do two gigs in a year because of all the admin involved and everything and finding people to work on the shows because they're all working on other stuff. Uh, but then every year, some, I, mean, I don't think about it until every every year we get offers, and then you think mm, that would. You know, that would be nice. <laughs> well, because you've done some festival exclusives. You did Beautiful Days one year, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, it's, yeah. And it's, and it's hard to uh, it's hard to at least consider uh, money, mm. isn't it, when it's, you know, when it's offered to you? I mean, I know you'd never do anything for money, Robin, but <laughs> uh, and I don't mean just for money, but it's, uh, it's you know, if so, yeah, we're not going to get back together for a laugh, <laughs> purely for a laugh, because it involves, you know, because there's a show involved. Well, this is what what I find interesting is that you, since I've known you anyway, which is what I probably met about twelve years ago. I think probably doing the Bloomsbury the first time, eleven or twelve years ago. Here we go again. And <laughs> two thousand and nine. Uh, oh, was that the? Fir- I think. Yeah, and, I'm and of course sure. it was that bizarre thing where then when we did the show at Hammersmith, which got filmed by uh, BBC Four. Yeah. They. Uh, cut your song and put it in the reverse order you, you had a, a narrative based song <laughs> yeah. about a strike yeah, angel strike and uh, for some reason somewhere in the editing process the story is told back was like a kind of they, they memento could, basically they, Mem- chopped, they chopped the middle out as well so it's sort of uh, um, visually uh, continuity wise it's bizarre because the middle the, there's a middle instrument, instrumentals uh, section where I kind of went a bit sort of you know rocked out so one minute I'm looking quite calm in the verse and then it cuts to the audience or the orchestra then comes back and I'm like sort of my hair's all over the place and I'm covered in sweat which is weird you know so it doesn't make any sense it's a very hard thing I think in in music to get away with a certain kind of joke like for instance some of some of the puns that that you use uh, the, the other person, I think, by the way, Josie's joined us. Hi, I'm so. here. I just have been enjoying listening, and I, I didn't want to jump in straight away and be like, well, I'm this. So, But uh, it's ni- nice to be here. Nice to see nice you. Nice to see you after a long time. Yeah, a long time. 
But yeah, you you do brilliant. You know the 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 puns really well. I was going to say like Ben Moore, Ben Moore, our, our, our friend who's a, a, a fantastic performer, is someone else who the, the pun. You know, a pun is often seen as something which is agonising. Yeah. None of your puns in in you know in in in, in Carter or any of the writing that I've I've seen you do. Um, there are there, some there are some, some unforgivable ones later, what do you think later, the most later on. Go on then. I, well, I don't remember them, but I just think later on they they they're sort of. They, 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 they. To me, they seem more kind of uh, like they've been written for a for a drama about me. But you're not allowed to use any of the the actual words, so you've had to write sort of puns in the style of Jim Bob from Carter, sort of thing. <laughs> so those ones, but the earlier ones, I'm fine with. But you, I mean, not. I mean, nowadays you wouldn't. Nowadays, uh, you couldn't. I don't think you'd get away with with any of them because they'd all been done. You know, I think if you if you came up with the only living boy in New Cross, or Twenty Four Minutes from Tulsa, or The Taking of Peck and One Two Three. Even any of those titles, if you know, if Twitter was around at that time, they'd all, they'd all be there already, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. they, they would. Yeah, so they would. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So it, you know, we just would have been a hashtag sort of game. Yeah, hashtag so, South East yeah. London pubs. So we we yeah. were lucky, you know, or I was lucky. We weren't lucky. It's not like a, I was lucky that I fortunately human beings hadn't reached a technological point. <laughs> I, I was racing against technological yeah. innovation. Hurry up, there's, I can't believe it. They're about to invent a system <laughs> which will spread puns at an incredible speed <laughs> and we'll be destroyed. But there must have been three people at least sitting at home going, I thought of that before him. <laughs> if but, only there was a way to. <laughs> but people really believe that as well. Like people go, I had that idea yeah. 15 years ago and they've made a Hollywood film of it. And it's yeah. like, yes. It's not to do with you. <laughs> like no. they haven't ripped you off by coming into your room at night and whispering in your ear to ask you what ideas you secretly. Apart hold. from that Richard Curtis film that's coming out, that's. I mean, from your experience, you've worked with a lot of different bands as well and toured with a lot of bands. How much do you think it's not? It's not the artistic endeavour that destroys bands. It is the tarring nature of touring it's the egos that suddenly occur it's those moments of thinking did oh did they get a bigger cheer than me when please welcome now on bass but whatever you know yeah. how much that plays into the destruction of the ego yeah uh especially if you're i mean it was with us uh specifically it was kind of by the time it was six people it was still two people the drummer had been there for a while so it was sort of two and a half people and then the others were just Kind of joined more as musicians, so um, sometimes you feel like you're doing more more work than anyone else, and you you know you have to write the songs. I mean, admittedly, you take more of the money, but by that point there wasn't any money, so <laughs> and you have to pay you have to pay the tax bills. So it's that kind of stuff. You know, you think, why am I? I could be doing this on my own. I think that's the you know, you start to think to yourself, why am I doing this with five other people? Yeah. So you sit there as a warning to the Sleaford mods at this very moment. Yeah, I can't talk about them, I'm afraid. If you're <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what's going on with that? This I'm... is the coyness. No, they, oh. you are a very flirtatious guest. Uh, <laughs> I think on this. With well, your, of course, it, I can't be mentioning it, that. It is coquettish no, nature. But the um, so when you when you stop, did you have? A sense of what you wanted to do next did you have you know i know obviously it's all in the book but that's what we're here to talk about so when you um what that that moment of stopping was there any what what do i do now no because I'd, I'd already start i'd already started i already knew i had songs mm -hmm. I, knew, I knew that's what i was going to do i mean that's i thought i'd just continue where i left off except it would be more 
more enjoyable and more uh, exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't have anybody else's opinion. And I also mistakenly believed it was would be at least as successful as what I'd just finished doing. But I'd soon found out in Tunbridge Wales that it wasn't. <laughs> was that was that that venue in Tunbridge Wells that used to be the oh, used to be a toilet? toilet yeah, 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 yeah. It still was when I was there. It felt like it. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, you know, there, there were probably more people there when it was a toilet. But it was. Yeah, it was that sort of shock of because we played. So I formed a band. Kind of, I wrote a load of songs and made a, made a record. Jim Superstereo World was a kind of disco. Pop, it was a kind of anti Carter in a way, even though we used a drum machine. Because um, all the songs were about nothing really uh golf and stuff like that and uh but then we did so we did a gig in london that was fine that was that was full full and then we played uh reading and leeds festivals and that was okay and then uh played tunbridge wells and there was like six people there and i thought oh this is a bit but it was the, the worst thing where i found it really embarrassing i didn't want to i just i just wanted to to run away I wasn't sort of you know worried about losing money or anything like that it was just the, the sort of shame of not shame, embarrassment really. Well, that's I, I totally that that bit we've talked about this on touring, which is, you know, at the moment doing an enormous tour with a friend of mine who's the, the star of the show, and then next month I'm back going, oh, that hundred seater hasn't sold very, you know, literally that yeah. that that venue which is the front row of one of the arenas that I've just had the opportunity yeah. to play, mm. that. That, even that that front row haven't turned up, you know, and that that and then you think, does, don't you? Yeah, and you think, why why am I doing? I mean, uh, James uh, from EMF, I read an interview with him the other day, and he he said that uh, they asked him if he was going to do any live shows because he's got a record out, and he said that uh, he wasn't sure if he would because he did um, he, last gig he did there were five people there, and he's you know I suppose when you've had you know you've had a number one single in America, <laughs> you, and you've played sort of your stadiums and then. And then you sort of c c go there on your own, and there's five people there. You think it's not really worth doing, is it? If you're not sort of, str if you're not, you know, if you're not young and striving to, I'm not saying you should stop, Robin, but, no, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's a control. You, you have no control over that sort of thing, you know, in an ideal world, you'd have the continued backing or support yeah. system or whatever that maintained what had happened before. And, and yet it just. But you lose the desire. I've, well, I've sort of lost especially now, I've kind of lost that desire. To, I don't want to play to nobody. Well, also, you have played to massive crowds. So you, you sort of do go, well, I have done it. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it so did you can't, happen. You can't moan about it because because uh, another friend of mine, Chris T.T., you know, he... he yeah, he's brilliant. He, I've been done a lot of touring with him. We've done a lot of tours together. And I was complaining about something or other. One of my albums wasn't doing well or, or there weren't enough people at the gigs. And he said, you know, at least you've... You know, you've you've done all this stuff already, so I sort of realised then, yeah, it's quite selfish, isn't it, to sort of say, to to want to have another go. I don't think it's selfish. I think it's the nature. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I think it's the nature of the game. Is you sort of, it's like eating. You're like hungry and you're eating this meal, and then you think before you've had the meal, if I could just have that meal, everything would be fine. Yeah. Then you've eaten the meal and you're like, oh, I'm hungry again. Yeah. I'd like that meal now, you know, and it's sort of very hard to manage that constant kind yeah. of... Yeah, it's so like, well, 
I always remember that I did once have quail's eggs, so I don't mind just rummaging around this bin trying to find <laughs> someone's old chips. But, you know, yes, to be exactly. It's like when people say the thing, science is on go there. You know, I don't know why people get so worried about the nature of death, because, of course, you know, most of the existence of the Earth, we haven't been alive. And then we're just going back to that. You go, yeah, yeah, but we hadn't existed at all. Now I'm aware. You know, that, that previous period of 13.7 billion years of total non-awareness, yeah. that, that it, now, now I've been given it, and you go, just thought you'd like this treat, and then I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> and that, Because that's what I do wonder about. I remember you telling me a, a kind of horrible story of you doing a book reading where, you know, some fans who were Carter fans as well came along, and you, would, you were only there to book reading, and then someone shouted out something, like, really horrible. I think you spilt some beer. You told yeah, me about, oh, and, yeah, yeah. and and uh, and someone goes, "Why don't you mop it up with your fucking book?" Yeah, and it was like, well, "You're you're a fan. You're meant to be a fan." But th- that's what I think. What I find fascinating is that you know this would be true of someone like Hugh Cornwall from the Stranglers, I think, as well. Which which is, I would imagine he thought he was going to go off and be bigger than the Stranglers. Yeah, but in fact, the Stranglers, by remaining the Stranglers, are still a pretty big band. Hugh Cornwall is is a uh, uh, you know that. That bit of going, you know, when you do a, uh, um, you know, a, a, a show with Carter, I know you don't do it, but say Brixton Academy, sometimes when you're standing there, don't you think, hey, you lot, where are you when I'm doing uh, me, yeah. me little theatre tour? Yeah, all the time, I think that. Or, when, you know, when you <laughs> when you have, you think, oh, there's a 15,000 15, uh, followers on Facebook of Carter OSM, and then you bring a book out and you think, why is it only sold? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is it only sold five hundred copies? This is weird. Yeah, cross promotion, it, cross PR. It it's not being done. It you need someone on it. it. It doesn't work though, does it? It doesn't sort of. I find it doesn't. There isn't that. And I don't know. I mean, I mean, it, I, I'm. We're probably all guilty of it, aren't we? I'm sure. Like I, I love the Jam more than any other band ever. But I don't. I'm not a big fan of Paul Weller's solo stuff. So I've got some of his records, but I don't support Paul Weller in in the way that I should as the world's number one jam fan. Yeah, but so, you, uh, 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 in that particular example, it's all right. There's a lot of people picking up the slack there. But but I, I do find it inter- that that tribalism where when when a band does split up and they go that I mean because I I think a lot of your solo records, uh, which is the one with the Fathers for Justice. Uh, Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. My least right. favourite solo record. Is it? Yeah. I love that album. <laughs> oh no, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, you mean the no? Sorry, There's, I'm mixing up with another song. You mean a Humpty Dumpty thing? That's yeah. One of my favourites. Good. <laughs> my God, that was nearly very embarrassing. Um, but no, that, that, the lyrics in that and the stories that you tell, yeah. and also the fact that you are allowed to, because you know what, what I suppose, as you were saying, that, that when you were talking about the puns and whether there's a point where you become a self-parodic yeah. version of yourself, yeah. and it, and in that you're allowed to tell these fantastic, and and it's I, I think it's some of my favourite work that you've done. Yeah. And thank you. That frustration. I to, mean, I'm, to, I, I made it. I think round. Before that, a couple of albums before that, solo albums before that, I made a sort of decision that I wouldn't write any songs unless I either wanted to or had something to write about. Uh, that's why I think that's why I haven't written any. I haven't written any songs for like, you know, for three years. But I have. I have written three books in that time. You know, or finished three books, uh, two two unpublished. And so I have been. You know, I haven't been sort of wasting my my. Uh, lyrical talents or whatever well also you've still had obviously the creative flow and you've yeah. still made things happen maybe that's, I think. And, that one, and one does get in the way of the other that's often I think of something I think of oh that would be I think it's the beginning of a song and I thought you know, it'd be better in a book though wouldn't it you know I think which <laughs> which one would I rather do 
So that's, yeah. So they kind of Jim Bob the author's kind of killed off Jim Bob the singer to a certain extent. The songwriter, rather. That is a, that's, that's a good movie there, J.B. Morrison versus uh, Jim Bob. Yeah, I'd have to say, with, a, with like dinosaur, with a dinosaur and a, and a, some sort of animated... Uh, and John Lithgow, I John, was thinking. John Lithgow I, versus yeah, a dinosaur. Yeah, I think, I think that, that, that'll work. But they, the, when did you... It's been done in Goodnight, Sweetheart, I remember. I remember <laughs> that one. Yeah, Stupid so... wife, how do you not know who John Lithgow is? Yeah. A UFO erases all knowledge of Jamie Wednesday, and then one man is able to play on... But the, um, that, uh, that moment of becoming... Uh, at what point did you think, I want to write... You know, I want to do something differently. I want to be, you know, write, write books. How much was that was that in you from... Because so much of it to me seems to be the, the written word. And, you know, you, you, you're, you're yeah. like I was saying, you, I think, a great lyricist. And, and that, being able to flesh that out, again, make even bigger stories. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it was ever... I mean, you know, when I was, a, when I was at school and that, I sort of liked writing stories, I suppose. Everyone says that, don't they? Uh, but I didn't... I never thought I was going to... Because the first book I wrote was, you know, was about Carter, and it came after Carter. And I remember that people around the sort of end times of Carter, people, a lot of people used to say to me, "You should write a book." And I used to take it really, I used to take it as an insult. I, I genuinely thought they meant you should stop writing songs. I sort of <laughs> got this idea in my head that they they were saying, "Do something else, stop this." So, uh, so kind, so I didn't really have any massive desire to do it until I'd written the first book, and then I wanted to write another one. And the, the second one was the story stories was a was kind of started out as a it was sort of supposed to be a, a, a you know a sequel to the autobiography, but it turned into a a collection of short stories, and then it turned into a novel. So it's kind of and then once once I'd done that, then I wanted to do another one, and then I wrote two after that, and then I started to really not enjoy it, but I just carried on because that's what <laughs> I, that's what I do now. <laughs> Did you um, in that cause when, when you're going through your you know the, the, doing the, the books that are actually about your life? I wondered if Miles Hunt, of course, has has released two volumes of his his tour diaries. Yeah, and I remember seeing him when he was working on the second volume, and I think I think I'm all right to say this. I think he was having problems going. Oh my god, I didn't know how awful I was. Yeah. And he said he he was looking through the diaries. And thinking, I was there with all of these fantastic things going on in my life, but I just seemed to be moaning all the time. <laughs> yeah. Human condition, mate. Human condition. And I think that's a danger with just because I, I, I read this first. I read the first. Uh, how many volumes are there? Three or something. I read the first. Oh, I, yeah, I've, I've only seen the first. The, yeah, I've, I've read the first one, which is kind yeah. of early days, early, and eight-legged yeah. groove machines. So, so I read like that. that. I read that. So I don't know if because I think if you st stick to a strict sort of reproduction of your diaries then you're you're asking for trouble aren't you you know it's just like you know releasing your sort of your your twitter output from 2014 or something it's probably <laughs> oh this i don't agree with any of this anymore so yeah so that's that's the beauty so i would never do that apart from anything else i didn't keep a diary but uh yeah i'm quite shocked that somebody like doing what he was doing was able to keep a detailed yeah, diary it just seemed quite detailed but i sort of i i i'm not questioning him but when people do that I've read uh, I read Keith Richards' mm. autobiography, which is sort of massive, isn't it? But he re he remembers things in incredible detail that I I find hard to believe. That do you think he really? Well, I presume he must have had <laughs> he must have had somebody. But is, is there anyone credited that he worked with? Oh yeah, he not? worked. I'm sure he worked with someone. But it but he still see it's like oh, and then I went in there and uh, this chick came in and she said this to, and then he just quotes everyone and then this dude and this everyone's a dude and a cat and a chick. Uh, or uh, he's just making it up, or and it just he must be making this up. 
he can't re he remembers everything like verbatim everything that everybody ever said so you know he's what he's doing there is he's writing the official version of events yeah so he's saying it will be useful to me if this chick said the following yeah. thing. But no, because he doesn't come out. I don't think he comes out of it that well. Oh, God. In, not in a, well, you know, he comes out of it as Keith Richards, but yeah. That's why quite often it's not, when you, when you read, you know, the chauffeur writes the his autobiography <laughs> yeah. or, you know, someone who was, you know, did, did, did the lighting rig or whatever. And they're always <laughs> watching it from, you know, well, lighting rig in particular from a very different angle, much, much <laughs> higher up. But it's, um, do, do you enjoy reading? We were mentioning before uh, we came in here. Uh, you know, a book that I loved many years ago was Bruce Thomas's book, The Big Wheel, yeah. which is kind of Bruce Thomas from The Attractions, which was based on, uh, well, you know, it, it, it's, it's a barely veiled description of touring America with Elvis Costello. Huh. And I don't think Bruce Thomas was back in the attractions that often afterwards, was he? No, I think he came out once, didn't he, for a, yeah. for a bit. Did, did, you, did you enjoy, you know, did you, did your, uh, do you have a, 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 an, an interest in reading those kind of, of stories because you've been in that world or is that... Or... Uh, not really. I, in terms of, like, I, I, I like uh, any sort of music-related biographies i've read I, I i much prefer it when they're bi when they're autobiographies i don't sort of because i don't trust you don't how can you trust what's being written you know it might not it's you know because it's presumably been through some sort of league i mean he he did it by right turning it into a novel didn't he it's a it is a novel, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so did he hate Elvis Costello? Is that what well, no, the, the character of the fat singer. The character of the absolute bastard. Yeah, it's veiled, but the wind blows off and the veil comes off. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's odd. But I don't, and also that, because uh, I mean, the, the two books, the two Carter-related books I've written, I, I would like to think are very un- you know, they're not stabby backy type. I haven't stabbed anyone in the back, I don't think, apart from you a couple of times, Robin, but that's... <laughs> Thank God I didn't get to that bit, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I've tried to sort of... I don't think that's... Robert Mintz. I mean, there, 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 were, there, were, there, like, there were bits in it that would be more exciting, I would say, and, more and even more interesting to read, but it would have to be at someone else's expense. Oh, that sounds very you know much I mean? then like um, Simon Bates's My Tune, which uh, <laughs> I felt was a very disappointing Radio 1 <laughs> DJ's uh, memoir because every time he gets something interesting, he goes, but I think it's better just to gloss oh, over right. that. Uh, yeah, oh, so I, I, I don't do that. I just don't, uh, don't. So you think your book, let's just get this out in the open, yeah. you think your book is probably better than Simon Bates's My Tune? Uh, I haven't actually read it, but I, I'm going to... Go out on a limb here and say, yeah, it's it's as good as it's as funny as uh, Francis Rossi and Rick Parfitt's Excess All Areas. Oh, really? Just the funniest music book I've ever read. Is it unintentionally? Oh, is it? That's uh, that. that uh... <laughs> Do you remember they did that film about ten years ago called yeah. Beulah Quirk? Yeah, yeah. With, was it? It was it Ricky not not John Lovitz. It was uh, it was quite it was it was quite a big American comic or someone who had been quite a big American comic. I think it was one of those American comics that said oh, because I'm a Republican, no one uses me anymore. But one of those guys. Yeah, but I'm it might not have been him. But yeah, it's a it's a bizarre thing where uh, Rick Parfit and Francis Rossi get involved in uh, a drug scandal on a tropical yeah. island. Yeah. Yeah. and it is it, it's like uh, do you know what we should make more films like they made in the sixties with Dave Clark Five? Yeah. The moment I saw the trailer for that, I went, this looks fantastic. Yeah. Have you seen it? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> it's what what That's happens good... is that Francis Rossi and Rick Parfit uh, are taken up by UFO, of and course. have all of status quo songs removed oh, from their head, and nothing. Uh, yeah, different. and nothing happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they just wander around humming and whistling. Um, do you? What do you like reading them? Because we should do that as well. When when you were on tour, did you have? I mean, again, because you were saying you're quite a shy person, while everyone else was going off drinking <laughs> I, I and doing I all. I never of remember. I was really excited. I'm sorry. I, I, did, I was not intending to interrupt. Oh, no. Have you excited. just picked up the post-it notes cool list of anecdotes? List. No, he's no, got it's, a cool it's, list it's, of You know, books. like, in the world of uh, what I discovered in the world of um, authors, when you end up at uh, author-type events with lots of other, like, real authors, and they, say, and they, they tend to, uh, who are you reading at the moment? So, but already I don't like them because who are you reading? That's yeah. annoying, isn't it? It's like, where did you go to yeah, school? Yeah, <laughs> Uh, which house were you in at uh, Cambridge? But uh, so already I'm annoyed. But I can, a lot of the time I remember, I can remember a book I'm reading. I could be reading it at the moment. I might not remember the title. I <laughs> rarely remember who's written it because in a way it doesn't it doesn't matter, does it? When you're reading, that's why I wrote these things down. <laughs> so just so because I mean I that's pretty much why I've started. One of the reasons I've got an Instagram account is I take a picture of the book because I'm exactly the same. Yeah, I've read about thirty books so far this year. But oh. I remember reading Why Sagasso Sea, and then I moved on to another it's one. Great, isn't it? And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't yeah. talked about it since. Oh no, not read since it. it is. I, I thought that was uh, that he was the worst ever uh, human being that I'd ever read. The 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 um the, who eventually becomes uh, you Mitchell, know Rochester. Rochester yeah. yeah. Um, and then I read uh Edward Saint Aubin. Is it so Saint Aubin? Saint Aubin. Saint Aubin. Saint Aubin. I I read the first two of those uh Patrick Melrose novels, and I went, oh, I thought last week I'd read of the worst human being possible. Mm. Um, he the father in that. Patrick Melrose's father is the most repugnant and hideous. And they're not, fi- they're not fictional. And either. it turns out, yeah, that it is. <laughs> these are is heavily autobiographical. Oh, you see, that's the word. I can't get my Instagram, get Instagram account up. up. But yeah, it's the first two volumes. So the first one is when he's like a five, six year old boy. Oh. And the second one, he's uh, in his early 20s going around New York just trying to score. Before he becomes Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> that's before, that's later, not, isn't it? I should say, but, it's oh. been really exciting seeing how much you read on your Instagram. I think I underestimated it. I was like, he can't. He's reading four books. And I'm like, once every three months, I've managed to read this collection of poems. Yeah. <laughs> but the, but no, but you to. probably actually keep it in, whereas no. I keep going, oh, it's dropped out again. I read that, um, your favourite one. Uh, if they come for us? Um, no, Hope in the Dark. Uh, oh, uh, 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 Rebecca uh, Solnit, Men Explain Things to Me. Men Explain Things to Me. How funny, I just brilliant. explained it to you. <laughs> yeah, um, that was... Uh, oh, isn't it? And that the title essay is so great. Oh. It's is one of yeah one of my favourite things is uh, just the the this is have you have you read men explaining things to me no it's uh, it's such a great collection of essays Rebecca Solnit's writing I just think it's so ah, I it's just I don't want to say this because it sounds so silly but it's so easy to read it's so engaging it's so there but it's so smart and poetic and funny and useful but it's just so. I hate... It's just so readable. Is that a silly thing to say? No, of course it's not. I just love to read her. I can sit and read anything she's written and it's instantly so engaging and so great. But it never feels kind of dry or hard going, even though it's about really That's why, in terms of whatever it is I'm reading, that's what I like. If If I don't... If I'm struggling after, you know, two or three pages, then I'm not gonna, I know I'm not gonna enjoy it. I don't want, I don't sort of understand these 
yeah, you know, stick with it because you know after after three hundred pages, you you you'll really be rewarded. You think, well, I don't have the time. I don't. Well, I have got the time. As you said, we're, we're, you and me, we're middle-aged. Yeah. We can see the end. It's like when Norman Lovett used to go on stage, you go, I'm in the final third now. And you go, whoa, <laughs> I've got to read faster. But there's a, the, the opening story is great, isn't it, where she basically just explains she's at some party or whatever, and there's some bloke who goes, uh, um, oh, what do you do? And she goes, oh, I write books. And she goes, oh, and basically, like, how many? Almost, like, yeah. about nine. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, anything I'd... Well, the most... Re- I never know how to pronounce his name. Edward Murbridge, is it? The photographer. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Guy I don't know either. But anyway, so she goes, I'll write a book about... And he goes, oh, that's interesting you've written about him because actually someone else has written about him and there was a huge piece about it in uh, the New York Review of Books about how brilliant it was. Someone else, not you, someone else. And it's basically her friend goes, it's her book. The one I know you can't believe it, but that brilliant book about the photographer, it's she's not written another one. She's the one and then the folks all like Well, it didn't sound very good anyway. It's really good. Sorry. Uh it's like the, when people say to me, What do you do? And I go, I'm a comedian and they'll be like, Oh, that's nice. Do you make a living from it? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I do. It's my life. Well, I've seen you on anything. Well, do you know what? If you haven't remembered, let's not move. Let's just, just leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. You you obviously haven't. The uh that's, a, that's an ongoing theme throughout my new book, that is trying to explain who I am. To, so I don't get recognised at all, even by people I've met before. Huh. So if I meet people, especially if they're kind of fairly well known, uh, so I want to talk to them, <laughs> but, I, but I don't want to go up and say, oh, hello, and then see them look at me and go, and then and we have to say, oh, no, it's me. And then, oh, you know. Do you get that with people where they'll be like, I don't know who this man is, and then yes. you say who you are, and they're like, <gasps> Yeah, so I don't tend to, you know... I just will, I'll just leave or whatever. You know, that happens a lot. So, um, but I do get that to where I've had to explain all the time, explain who, uh, what I do. And I always make the mistake of not just saying immediately what I do. You know, if I say, oh, I just, you know, I can't, I'd, when I was doing jury service, I, I was there for nine weeks. And so the whole jury at some point asked me what I did. And I said I was a writer because I thought this would be easier if I'd say I'm a writer. But then, just, you know, if you say you're a writer, people want to know what, you know, what do you write, don't they? Just say waiter. So, you know, I should have said, yeah, it's, it's, it's it was too late. I should have easier. said, oh, sorry, no, I said yeah. waiter. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot of different pizza restaurants. You probably <laughs> won't know, you won't know my, uh, Have you had yeah. uh, fish soup? Have you had fish soup? Yeah, I've done that. I've done yeah, that. I've done that. Um, sorry, we've nearly run out of time. So, what are all the books that you like? And say them fast. <laughs> <laughs> He's I'm moved to the second post-it note already. In some ways, you're like a secret agent. <laughs> what do you mean in some ways? You, you can go anywhere. <laughs> I'm off to the orangery after this for, <laughs> for a meeting with, with Igor. <laughs> uh, no, I was just, I was just thinking. I mean, I, I read novels. That's you know, I read fiction. I'm not a, I'm not a sort of non-fiction. That's why because I listen to a lot of your not. I get sort of quite. I don't angry is, but listening to you know your podcast, the amount of. I'm thinking mainly of two people who come and say, I don't really, I can't really get on with books where where the characters are made up. What? Oh, I know thing. who one of them is. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> it links to a thing you just said about arenas as well. I'm sure someone oh. else said it. On, I'm sure you've had at least two guests who've said, don't really like novels because that sort of, I think, oh, that just, 
kind of annoys me. It's like so I, I don't, don't have that imagination. I don't I like enjoy. songs unless they're you know entirely sort of correct. <laughs> See, I, I I do I have had it. I don't. Well, you all have noticed, Josie. This year, I'm really making myself read lots Fiction. of novels because I get worried about everything has to have purpose. It's, it's stupid and it's tiring. But it's like I should be reading a book about quantum mechanics because it, mm. it's got a thing in it. Yeah. And then when I do sit down like I have this year and just go like some of the stories that I've read. And they are, and they are, because I think it was Douglas Adams said this thing about the reason novels existed was to explain things about the human condition before science had, and, and, and you know, cosmological position, whatever, uh, because we didn't have the, the wherewithal and the, the equipment and, and knowledge, and now we don't need them so much. So things like in psychology, you don't need to read, you know, whether it's Proust or George Eliot or whatever, because we actually have the books that are, and, and I think, in some ways, that was, you know, I was battling against that, but I totally agree with you. That that moment of being immersed and horrified sometimes. Yeah. Or also that sense of love that you get when there are those moments of, of, of celebration. Also, yes, it's not necessary for humanity in the same way to only have this one way to discuss ideas or whatever, but it's a lot more fun to read a novel yeah. than it is to read a very yeah. dry, not that not not a course that all scientific books are dry or anything like that at all, but it's often a lot more fun, a lot more poetic, a lot more exciting to read a story as well, or, or you know, a poetic musing as well. Like, there's loads of purposes. And I also think life isn't about constant achievement in, like, one direction. It's about exploration and enjoyment and... Anyway, we've gone off. So, Tell your us novels. What you like to read? <laughs> so, oh, I'm going, I was, well, the last one I read was called Lake Success, and I, it's, I don't know how you pronounce his name. It's Gary Steinart or Steinart, which is fantastic. What's the basic? Uh, it's about a hedge fund. Uh, uh, what do you have? A person who has a hedge fund, whatever they're called, a hedge funder, hedge fund manager, hedge, or hedge yeah, fund, who yeah. is sort of uh, in America, who it's sort of everything falls apart with his uh, hedge fund and he goes off on the Greyhound bus to sort of, I think he just basically to escape and to, it goes back to sort of ends up in, you know, loses everything and that's kind of it really. It's sort of, uh, but it's, it's set just, it's set sort of, um, I think it's around, it's, just, it's when uh, the American election's going on. So it's kind of goes through the whole thing of Trump. There's no way Trump's going to get in. But then by the end he does, but it's not so, but, uh, but it's not about that, you know. That's just that's just kind of going on. So that's sort of that's it. That's the only book I've ever read. That's the, that's well, the last thank you very much for telling us about the book you read uh, in the first fifty years of your life. But yeah, all this stuff. Let's have know. a look. Let's. I'll tell you what. I'll throw the names. If you can so read, if I can read it, your, yeah. If you can your read doctor's my, writing, yeah. the uh, I appreciate your um, um, uh, thoroughness. Oh, here. David Sedaris. Yeah, love David Sedaris. Willie Flauton. Uh, Oh, the Motel Life. Yeah, all I his love books. That book. I've only read Motel Life. Oh, they're, they're but he's similar to you, isn't he? Uh, well, yeah, he's a musician, but musician, yeah, novelist. his books are amazing though. The like, he's done about four since then. What, the last one was incredible. Uh, possibly the last one, which is called "Don't Skip Out on Me," I think. I just like that they're kind of really yeah. Oh, they're they're all like that, but they're kind of I like the sort of uh, a lot of the authors I like are kind of, they like that sort of relentless kind of. He, he got out of bed and he walked down to the thing and then he got run over and then it was the next day and then something else happened yeah, yeah, and, then yeah. it, and then it just sort of ends. That's and like no, your Raymond Carver. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many Raymond Carver shorts? But I love that. You know, Cormac McCarthy is that. You know, I like yes. that kind of stuff. It's sort of... The Road, I, but, yeah. well, you know, The Road, the book of The Road, I found so 
perversely beautiful, yeah. beautiful, uplifting. And I Nothing know that's really the happens as such, does it? No, he's but just about the man quite, yeah. loving his son. Uh, yeah, just love all those. Those are my favourite kind of books to read. Really kind of dull, depressing trolls across America. <laughs> Lars von Trier. But, uh, what one I think of? Dancer in the Dark, that's what I'm thinking of. Right. Just where it's like, well, it can't get worse for her. No- okay, it's got yeah. worse for her. <laughs> See, I find that because uh, Dancer in the Dark gave me flu. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was fine. I went into the cinema and I watched Nurse Betty, first of all, which was Lovely. a movie, right? And then I walked in, I'll go and see Dancer in the Dark, and I came out and I was ill. That's what it did to me. Oh, wow. So it's a, it's a very potent film, but in a very negative way. It actually makes you sick. But that's a bit like Jean Reese. I found her... I find her books so powerful that they can often tip me over the edge a little bit. Uh, like emotionally, I, th- I think they're wonderful, but emotionally I find them so big and so strong that they're almost a little bit dangerous to read. I love. Did you hear that story about when she won the W.H. Smith Book Award for Why to Gas I See? Someone was telling me that basically her speech was, well, this is too late. Ha! And then she just got the, she was driven back to Devon and they had to keep stopping in different towns apparently for her to go and shoplift in boots. Oh, I love it. So I don't know much. if any of that is true, but someone told me, and, the, and they were, because they were talking about what a brilliant and fascinating individual she was. Mm. And the, uh, and uh, um, of course, Diana Atta, was, who's just uh, died, who was, who was in it. Oh, oh man. I've been I was reading a Diana Attell book for the first time in my life. She's great, isn't she? Yeah. But there's, there's a, she, she, in one of her b- books or a piece, she wrote, she wrote about editing um, Jean Rhys and how hard it was because she was so specific, you know. And, and there's this bit where, where at one point apparently she got very angry with her and she went, you let me publish Wide Sagasso C too early. It wasn't ready, it wasn't ready. And it turned out there were two words in it which she felt shouldn't have been in there. Uh, and it was something like, there, there was that perhaps that shouldn't have been in there. I mean, what a beautiful, thorough, but, oh, fantastic. Um... J.B. Morrison, the author, and also Jim Bob the singer, who will be appearing, perhaps both played by John Lithgow, <laughs> and who Ray Harryhausen's ghost will be providing the dinosaur. <laughs> so you're at Shepherd's Bush Empire on the, 20, the 23rd of March. 23rd of March. The book is out on the 21st of March. Correct. That's a big week. It is, yeah. It's the biggest week of probably the century for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for uh, coming in. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Remember, tickets for the Christmas shows are both Nine Lessons and the Compendium are on sale now, as are Chris Lintot and Steve Pretty's Universe of Music tickets. Should also mention that this past week, one of our Cosmic Shambles regulars, Matt Parker, his new book, Humble Pie, has hit shelves. I have been reading that myself this week and it is great, so go out and get yourself a copy of that. You can support the show by getting something from our online shop uh, by going to Patreon, patreon.com slash bookshambles and pledging there or just liking, rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Nice reviews and five-star ratings on there really do help us out, push us up the charts, gets the show more noticed. So if you could take a minute to go and do that, we would be greatly appreciative that is all for now we'll be back next week with another new episode uh and i'm very excited to tell you that i don't know who the guest is because uh where i'm recording this is too far away from my notebook regardless we will see you next week with a mystery guest until then have a great week this podcast is part of the cosmic shambles network josie robbins book shambles was produced by trent burton of trunkman productions